Hi everybody, Mike Wardrock from Encounter Church here, and thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. Our prayer is that through this podcast, you could have an encounter with Jesus that will change your life. And now get ready for an inspiring message from our teaching team. When a star dies, one of two things happens. If it's a star like the Earth's sun, it it runs out of hydrogen. And the star's core eventually becomes hot enough to fuse into carbon. It's it's like burning the bottom of a frying pan before it expands and cools and turns into a white dwarf and eventually a black dwarf. But if it's a bigger star than the Earth's sun, it has a heavier mass. And that means the carbon at the core ends up turning into several heavier elements, including iron. And so once that core turns to iron, then the star ends up collapsing by its own gravity. And when that happens, the iron core then heats up and it shrinks drastically. And then suddenly the heat and the shrinking forces it to expand and explode into a supernova. And this releases huge amounts of energy and material into space. And the remains of the core can form a neutron mass or a black hole. It is fair to say that the death of a star is an enormous catalytic event, something that affects everything around it. Now, as we gather here for this Good Friday service, we remember a similar catalytic event, one that was simultaneously much bigger and much more personal than the death of a star, the death of the sun. And on a hill outside Jerusalem, around 33 AD, the Son of God was crucified. And as we've heard from the readings today, Jesus was falsely accused, arrested, given a sham trial. He was mocked, scorned, beaten, and murdered on a cross, this emblem of suffering and shame. We gather here today, friends, in memory of a murder. We reflect and grieve, even now, a cosmic injustice. In Genesis, we hear of God beginning the world and beginning creation. And he, he spins the stars into the sky as an act of creation and life. And it was the evening, it was morning, the first day. Yet here in the Gospels, we hear of the Son of God, the star of the heavens being lifted up into the sky in an act of destruction and death. It was evening, it was morning, the last day. God isn't meant to die. That's not how this is meant to work. Now, we here in the West, we're not very good with pain and suffering. We're really the first generation of human beings that presumes we are meant to live without pain and without suffering in a meaningful way. That's not to say we're the first to ever question the existence of suffering and why it's there, but we are the first generation to deeply wrestle with the personal nature of suffering and ask this question, why me? If God is truly real, would he want me to suffer. We're the first generation that assumes we're meant to live comfortably. Now, putting aside the idea of what suffering actually is, when we examine it objectively, we begin to see something a little bit more than just personal pain. We actually begin to see growth. We begin to see life. Seeds need to die in order for new life to spring forth. Muscles are meant to tear before they grow. And the pain of labor leads to the life of a child. There is, in fact, a way of death that leads to life. At least there is in Jesus. 
See, we are meant to sense the weight of Good Friday, friends. If you've felt in these readings, you've felt the heaviness and the weight of it, we are absolutely meant to. We're meant to feel the grief of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, His anguish and His sense of abandonment on the cross and the sheer physical pain of having nails hammered through His wrist. We have this service. We sit in the memory because it is meant to be heavy. But we can get lost in the weeds when we only look at who was dying up there and we forget to ask the question of what was dying up there. We know who, Jesus was dying up there, but what? What was dying up there? If Jesus was the Son of God, as He he says He was, He could have just come down off the cross. He said that He could do that. So why didn't He? Because something was happening. Because on the cross, the old day was dying. See, on the cross, church, God took death and suffering personally. And when, we, and when we think about that idea, it should be overwhelming. Think about the one who set the stars in motion, who chose to place them in the sky, who spoke them forth from his voice. Think of the power and majesty and might that took. And think of all of that limited to human form and strung up on a cross, dying and abandoned. We are physically incapable of comprehending the scope of what happened at the cross. But... We can comprehend the meaning. See, on the cross, God took death personally because He is a personal God. On the cross, God saw an old day die by taking suffering on Himself so that a new day could begin to spring forth. See, the old day was a day of law and sin, death and rebellion, but the new day would be a day of life. And so what exactly was dying up on that cross? What was it? Death. Death was dying on the cross. In fact, the author and theologian John Owen put it this way. He called it the death of death in the death of Christ. The death of death in the death of Christ. Jesus died and so did the power of death. The power to let human sin and brokenness decide our eternal future. That wasn't going well. So God took it personally. Now, we call this Holy Week as Christians, and we get very reflective and sit and, and, and just get really pensive and quiet. But I would imagine in Jerusalem it was chaos, like utter mayhem. Uh, you think about it, everyone wanted death. Everyone was crying out for death. There was a lot going on in the streets of Jerusalem that week. Pilate and the Romans, they wanted Jesus dead so that order would be maintained. See, they didn't want a new day. They liked the old day. The Romans held the military power. They shaped the culture. They didn't want to give that up. And the Jewish priests and leaders, they crucified Jesus so that control would be maintained. They didn't want a new day to dawn either. They controlled the Jewish community. They controlled how we were allowed to understand God. They didn't want to give that up. They liked the old day too. But a new day was dawning. And we today have this tendency. We look at the Romans. We look at Pilate. And we look at the priests and the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees and the Jewish leaders, and we look at them and criticize them and ask, how could you do it? How could you string up Jesus to die? How could you crucify our Lord? But we do it too. Every day. We choose our broken down lives over the new life that God died to bring about for us. 
We cling to our old lives, even though they're like dying stars, threatening to become black holes, threatening to go supernova. We cling to unhealthy behaviours, toxic thought patterns, emotional manipulation in relationships, and we work our spirits to death by grinding them under the wheel of personal accomplishment and unrealistic expectations. There was an old day dying that day because I had to. It had to. We were stuck in a cycle of sin and rebellion that only perfection could break. So perfection came and broke it. God took death personally so that death wouldn't take us personally, at least not forever. And your choice now, church, is whether you let the old day die in your life or not. That's the option Jesus has bought for you. Now, how does the old day need to die in your life? That's the question. What do you need to let die so that the life of Christ can be set afire in your soul? That's the desire of God for you, to remember the cross. See, at the birth of Christ, angels blazed forth among the stars, crying out that this was good news of great joy. But at the death of Christ, the stars went dark. There was silence. But ultimately, it was the same message. Good news of great joy has been won for you today. Good news of great joy. The same good news, it's what we call the gospel. It means the good news. It's a declaration, not of what is good advice, not of what we would like you to do, but what has been done, what's finished, what's been completed by Jesus on the cross. Jesus died for you personally to save you from your sins and to defeat the power of death. Because the God who set the stars in motion and spoke the days into being is the same God who allowed himself to die so that you might live. Life in abundance now, life eternal with God after death. On the cross, God took death personally. And right here, right now, you and I need to take the cross personally. Tonight, friends, doesn't matter how well you know Jesus doesn't matter whether you feel like you're a thousand miles from God. doesn't matter whether you feel like you've been living up to his standards or whether you feel like you shouldn't have to. God is reaching out to you personally. Tonight, friends, in the dark shadow of the cross, an old day has died and a new day is dawning. It's a light we look forward to on Easter Sunday. We call it Resurrection Sunday. Spoilers, Jesus is resurrected. But unless we can take the cross personally, You won't know God personally. Unless you can treat it as something God has done personally for you, you will never personally have the relationship with God that your heart truly desires. So tonight, as we pause in the grief of the cross and the anticipation of the resurrection of what's to come, just ask yourself this one question right now in your spirits. What needs to die in my life so that Jesus might fully live? What needs to die in my life so that Jesus might fully live? Thanks so much for listening. I pray that you were able to hear from God in a fresh way today. We would love to hear from our listeners. To connect with us or to financially support the work of Encounter, please jump on our website, encounteradelaide.com.au. And if you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget 
to jump onto iTunes, Spotify, or your podcast provider and give us a rating and review. Or share this message on your social media accounts and tag us at Encounter Adelaide. God bless. Have an amazing week.